it's Sean Fennessy, one of the hosts of the Prestige TV podcast. HBO's Barry is back for a fourth and final season, and that means I'll be back recapping the show with co-creator and star Bill Hader to dive deep on the themes, scenes, and major moments in the series. Bill will provide insight into how every episode was made and why it's ending. New Prestige TV Barry recaps will go live every Sunday night when the episode ends, so make sure you're subscribed to the Prestige TV podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page in the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus in person select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. Today's episode is brought to you by Prime Video. Uncontrollable frowning and inability to smile an expression like you just smelled something rotten. These are all signs of resting binge face caused by too many streaming services. But Prime Video ends resting binge face so you can smile again. Easily find your favorite shows like Reacher Season 2. Rent or buy new release movies like Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds, and Snakes. Get everything included on Prime. And add hundreds of streamers like Max for True Detective Night Country. One app, one password, Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership not required to rent or buy. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me earlier in the week than he usually does is Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Characters, Kevin O'Connor! Look at you. You got a red red tie on, all fresh from your Grizzlies postgame show, celebrating the victory. You got a... <laughs> Grizzlies towel from the game 2023 playoffs round one game two waving the towel look at Chris he's so happy right now he can't even hide the smile on his face that was a fun game it really was let me tell you why I have an even bigger smile than usual and it is because of this very show oh yeah I'm sure it is (laughs) no not (laughs) we'll get to that trust me Mr. Kevin oh it's over um (laughs) After after I got done, as I was leaving the arena, there was a guy after I got off the air that was standing there. And I could tell he was waiting until we got done. Super, super uh, nice guy. And I walked up and he's like, hey, Chris, I wanted to introduce myself. And he said, uh, my name's Mike. And I flew in here from Hawaii. And I was like, what? And he's like, I flew in from Hawaii and I was like, you're a Grizzlies fan from Hawaii. And he was like, yes. He's like, I've got league pass. Um, 
and I'm I'm a huge Grizzlies fan, so I flew in for these games. And I was like, how did you become a Grizzlies fan in Hawaii? And he was like, listening to the mismatch. Wow. That is listening, awesome. Listening <laughs> to the ringer. He goes, I've been listening to you guys for years. He's like, I'm a huge fan of you guys. And I didn't have a team, and I started watching, and I've got league pass, and so I flew in for these games. Oh, and so cool. I wanted to take the time to come by here and say, hey, and he knew we were recording tonight. And I and it's oh, right before hardcore. I and I just left the arena to walk over here and record. And that was like that was one of those really like cool That's moments. So cool. The guy was beaming. He was so happy uh after that game. And I was like, what in the world? Grizzly fan from Hawaii. So shout out to Mike, who's been a longtime oh. listener of the pod. It made me feel good right before we're about shout to record out this. Mike. That is yeah. so cool. All the way from Hawaii. What is that? Like a, a four connection flight? Oh to get to Memphis? God, there's no telling. <laughs> there's no telling how long it took him to get uh, to Memphis from That's Hawaii. So cool. I love um, it. But yeah, he was there at the game tonight. Um, it was very good atmosphere to say the least. And the Grizzlies did even it up against the Lakers tonight. Um, you know, there are a couple major things that I was left with when I was watching it. You know that it's going to determine what this what a series is going to be based on what you see many times in game two. You know, the team that wins is not going to make nearly the adjustments that the team that loses makes. And so if you have teams that are both good teams you expect that there is going to be a give and take that goes on throughout a series, that teams are going to correct the things that hurt them badly and the reason that they took that first loss. And there are some times where that game two, if the if if it's no closer, like what we saw in, say, Hawks-Celtics, it's like, okay, like it doesn't matter what they do, okay? And I know that people could say, well, it doesn't matter. To, you know, the, it's, the series doesn't start until the home team loses a game. Like, all you had to do was watch that. And it's like, when you go in and you try to make adjustments and then you come back out and you get pasted again, you're in trouble. And and so I certainly expected that the Grizzlies would be able to play a much better game uh, in game two. And, and then the series kind of levels out as it goes on once two teams have won games. And... One of the things that we had talked about after game one was, I said, I, d- I don't know how you do it, but you might just have to go small. You've got to get Davis away from the basket. He's just too big of a defensive menace. You can't just allow this guy to play drop coverage. And so what you saw tonight was, surprisingly to me, Taylor Jenkins sticking with Tillman because he needs the muscle and Tillman ended up being the leading scorer on the team and fantastic tonight. Best player on the floor. Genuinely. He was well. And this is, you've talked about this so many times in terms of strategy of basketball. And that is, if you are the guy that is not respected, how can you make yourself intensely useful? And so in this particular case, what you saw all night was they would bring the ball up and you've got, two of the best three-point shooters of the last decade in Kennard and Bain, and Tyus Jones would dribble handoff to them. Now, Tillman sets a screen for either Kennard or Bain, and you have absolutely no choice. 
if you're Davis, you have to be out there. And then it was just slip, 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 slip. And yep. he's just barreling towards the basket, and it's a layup line. Yep. And it's F- like finishing, it, finishing it left, left side of the rim, right side of the rim didn't matter. And how many times do we see the guys that aren't respected many times don't get involved in the offense like that, right? Yeah. How what is a way that they can make Anthony Davis have to, if he's not going to respect Tillman away from the basket, then you make him respect Bain or you make him respect Kennard or you make him respect somebody out there. And so really good strategy. And it ended up that Tillman ends up having like the game of his life because he's the guy that like, okay, if you're not going to pay me mind, how can I become super useful? The other thing is, this game had like virtually no fast break points in the entire game. And a I would have told half you, court. Yeah. yeah, that that is yeah. not in the Grizzlies' favor yeah. I mean, to play that kind it. of basketball. You've said that all year long with Memphis, you know, so yeah. like playing when you play their style, they they're, they have the advantage. Right. But ultimately tonight, Taylor Jenkins came with such a good offensive game plan. And, you know, you mentioned the roll into the basket by Tillman, but, you know, he had some post-ups as well, like against... A Vanderbilt in the first quarter. Yep. He had one against AD, you know, sealing him off inside in, in the first or second quarter, if I remember correctly. I mean, like, it wasn't just rolling to the basket. He was, like, using his body and overpowering those guys inside. I mean, it is, he was sensational tonight. I think for, for Memphis tonight, I mean, obviously, you know, like I tweeted out the stat. I saw you tweet, people can't make the story about, oh, they're bitter without jaw and all that. But this is another example of how deep this team has been and how good their drafting has been. It's kind of the opposite of what we've talked about with the Warriors, with how poorly they've built with Stephen Curry and all their youth. The Grizzlies now 33-17, and 17, going back to last season without Ja Morant. When people, like people, when people say they're better without Ja, that's like ha-ha laughs. You know, Ja raises their ceiling. But that success without Ja 33 wins out of 50 games and also two and two in the playoffs of those 50 games as well. Like they win one last year, blow out the Warriors and they just win this one tonight. That is a testament to Tyus Jones, best backup point guard in basketball. He just does not make mistakes. Eight assists to one turnover tonight. He is such a good, you know, he steadies that ship so well running the show and all these other guys that can step up. I mean, David Roddy, John Conchar, he had the two blocks on AD, but he was also in the area on some of the other misses by AD around the basket. It, it, this entire team up and down the roster, this is, you know, it's not just John Morant. It, it's a top-down roster, and that's a testament to their drafting and how these guys, like you said with Tillman, embrace their roles. Well, and they their, their guards were not good tonight for the Lakers. No. I mean, oh, dude. Russell, Russell was... D'Lo was... A mess. Oh, God. I mean, offensively, 2 of 11, but then defensively... No. You know, he had that play I tweeted out where, like, you have on the strong side, he just leaves Luke Kennard, who you rightfully said one of the better three-point shooters of the last decade. That's yep. just a fact, you know? that they, they don't necessarily have the big name. He's not Clay Thompson, but statistically, Kennard and Bain are both fo- way over 40-plus percent in their career. They're number one and number two in terms of guys that have taken, like, over 300 attempts in the last yes. couple of years. Absolutely. And so, like, you leave him on the strong side of the pick and roll. And then you have this lazy closeout to him. It was just a terrible defensive game by Russell, a terrible offensive game. 
kind of the inverse of what we talked about after game one, where, you know, Rui, Rui had another good game. They still got, you know, I read that he, he has the highest three point percentage now, I think <laughs> in, the, in playoff in history. <laughs> He's like 16 of 24. It's That's crazy. Funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the guy shot 29%. The, the, he can't are, miss. Chris, there are 82 game players and there are 16 game players. <laughs> <laughs> and Rui Hachimura is a 16-game <laughs> yeah. player. Very clearly. So. <laughs> he might, he really might be. <laughs> who knows? Well, what if he's one of those guys who just turns it on in the playoffs? You look at his year with Washington two years ago, he was 9 of 15 in Unbelievable. the <laughs> he, hit a, he hit like a move on like a two-dribble pull-up where he <laughs> elevated and hit an elbow jumper. I'm like, is this guy freaking Kawhi? Like, what is going on? I, I thought I thought of you when that happened. I was like, Vern almost be <laughs> losing it right now. Oh, <laughs> but but oh. really though, for like the Lakers side of things though, yeah, Rui, you know, was good. D'Lo stunk. AD man, AD like he was good defensively. He did his job considering what you said they made him do, pulling him out. But four fourteen, not crashing the boards, contact adverse. Every time he touched the ball, he's fading away, fading away. And, like, only 14 shots, that can't happen on a night that your team can't score. It's, You've got to give him a you got to give him a little break, though. Like, after you get your soul snatched out of your body by John Conchar, it's hard to play the rest of the game. Oh, well, I mean, he had... Soul thing, snatched. I know you're joking. Soul snatched. But, but he stunk before that. He stunk after that. He just wanted, may, to, he, he maybe, wanted to. He wanted to quit basketball after that. Maybe he knew it was coming. Like he just knew <laughs> tonight's the night John Conchar steals my soul. I saw the vision in my dreams last night. I actually thought it was a pretty good LeBron game too for them. Yeah, I mean it was not a bad one. Oh, but are you are you aware? He was so the, tired. Are you aware of the Dylan Brooks quote? Oh, are you aware? I, am I aware that LeBron James is going for forty in Game Three? Yeah, so so you are aware that uh, I Brooks, saw it right before we went on the air. Yeah, he, he he doesn't. Dylan Brooks said after the game, he's old. I poke bears. I don't respect someone until he gives me forty. <laughs> and he said, also, "I mean, what are the chances he, he, LeBron doesn't go for 40? Well, he also said, "I wish I got the chance to defend him in Cleveland or Miami." Oh no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> he, when he started out, look, look, when he hit his first like half of the first quarter when he was one for six, Kevin, when I tell you I was losing my mind, oh my God. Oh yeah, I bet. And they're all bad shots. Yeah. All of them. Well, he hit the two. Like big some ones. wild ass drive, some pull up in transition. It's like, what are you doing? This can't happen again. He he is. Thank God he else. had some foul trouble. <laughs> he, he really is something else, man. Like saying, like you're you straight up are calling LeBron James old. And saying it would have been a harder task. It would have been a harder <laughs> task to defend him in Miami or Cleveland. I mean, what a way to call him out and set up for Game Three on Saturday. Now back in L.A. LeBron James. He's like a ridiculous said. man. It, look, you know he's ridiculous because how about when he hit that three at the end and then just acts like he's oh god, I love been, it. Like he's been burying people all game. I love, I dude, I love that stuff. That oh is my so. God. That is the funniest thing to me. Like, and also just <laughs> just the way he looks. You know, just Dylan Brooks has like such a troll villain look to him. 
And then you add on the way he dresses on top of that. This is a true story. I love it. (laughs) We were at dinner tonight before the game, and I told my producer, I said, that dude really thinks he's better than LeBron James. Like, if you asked him, there are some guys that, like, you know, put on the front or whatever, and of course that's asinine, right? But I promise you, if you asked him, he thinks he's he thinks he's that level. Yeah. And that's why he is who he is. You know what I mean? And there's a he brings a lot of good to the table. And he'll really fight on defensive possessions for sure. And he'll really antagonize. And he can bring a lot of energy. But my God, some of the shots he takes are honestly, Kevin, in 20 years of covering the NBA, they're some of the worst shots I've ever seen. They're just absolutely heinous. Yeah. Heinous. Um, but they're able to get, uh, that win. And so now it becomes, as we talked about after game one, and I told you I'd panic after two, if there's, you know, if things don't get corrected. But at this point, I always think of these series like this. Once it's a one-to-one series, yes, you have, uh, given up your home court advantage, but you've got to go three and two against a team the rest of the way. It's the way I always view it. You're not going four and one against them. So it becomes a must win. You're not winning four out of five against that team or against any team that is a real peer and worth their salt. But I mean, I just listened to three straight days of everybody putting LA in the Western Conference finals and putting them against the Warriors in the next round, even though the Warriors probably aren't going to be in the next round. And so it's going to be fascinating to see how everybody turns after this game, or if there is a turn. Um, Do you still think the Grizzlies are in big trouble against this team? I still think they need Ja to win the series. Yeah. He'll be back by Saturday. You think so? Will he be effective, though? All reports say he troubling, like gripping the ball, dribbling the ball, shooting the ball. I mean, once they announced that it was a pain tolerance thing, I... I, I don't care. He'll play with pain tolerance. But it's, will he be effective? To your point, yes, the effective thing. He will not play if he thinks he's going to be ineffective. And you just got a long time. I mean, if you hurt the thing on Sunday, I know. game three yeah. is not until Saturday. Remember how we talked about before the series? You said to me, the deeper this series goes, the more advantageous it is for the Grizzlies with the time off. It turns out the time off could actually be helpful for Memphis early on here. It is advantageous, um, but as now it's at least going five games at yep. minimum, right? Yep. It's at least going five games, and there's going to be another game in Memphis. But those five, six, seven are a day apart. And I don't know if you were why the third quarter, LeBron was like calling for sub, calling for sub, and they could only put him on the bench for like a couple of minutes. And the other thing is they are getting smoked on the non-AD minutes. Oh, for uh, yeah. for as bad as AD, you know, can can feel versus what he can be. He can be the most dominant figure on the court. There's still like He's plus still 70 something in his minutes and yeah. minus 20 something in his non-minutes. They still need him defensively. He still is After. effective and he, and he was effective tonight I thought. It's just he was an absolute zero offensively. It was terrible. Yeah. Um, so that one is Saturday night. Are you still going to go Saturday yeah, night? Yep, I'm going. I'm going. Saturday night. 
So yep. you will be there. And I, I would not be surprised if you see uh, Morant for that game. The NBA playoffs are here, and you can turn crossovers into cash with FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash mismatch right now and place a $5 bet, and you'll get an instant 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. With FanDuel, there's great promotions every single day. It's safe and secure and easy to use, and you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. Just go to FanDuel.com slash mismatch and sign up to get $150 in bonus bets when you bet your first five bucks. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? In Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hope is here. In Massachusetts, go to gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Connecticut, call 1-888-789-7777. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. In Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. In Wyoming, call 1-800-522-4700. In West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET. The other one, when we're talking about teams responding, emphatic response by the Milwaukee Bucks. My God. Yeah. 81 in the first. I'm watching this go on on my phone as I'm at this game. And I'm like, they got 81 at halftime? (laughs) That is an absurd number. Absurd. Brooke Lopez had more shots in the paint in the first quarter than he did in all of game one. The Bucks had more shots in the restricted area in the first quarter than, than they did in all of game one. Do you remember when we were at the very beginning of the season and I had seen the Heat in person and I told you, they got nothing alongside, bam. I know. No, they have no, no size. size. And yep. Capella totally exposed it in that game for the play-in with Atlanta. And then it was not exposed by the Bulls, you know, and then they get to this one and it's like, you know, make them too little. They don't have it. Dam has to do everything himself, and he's not some hulking giant. No, and, and, by, <laughs> you know and I mean? by the way, Bam, because of that, as you just said, because of that, Bam by midseason was not like all defensive caliber, and that's because he was tired. Of course, he had to do all that over the course of the season. He had to do all the banging inside. He had to handle all those tough matchups, boxing out, and all the responsibilities of a five. When really. Bam would be better in that, you know, Jaron Jackson, Giannis, Robert Williams style role where he can sometimes play the five, but a lot of the time play the four and roam off ball and just wreak havoc. He can't do that in Miami. This is how Ibaka was, you know, long ago, too, for those Oklahoma City teams. I mean, yeah, we've seen it a million times. Toronto, Toronto, the Gasol Ibaka front courts with those two guys together. Sure. Take the guy that can and, and, and let him fly around. And he can be that help side defender over and over again. The thing is, but, though, Chris, is like this. It's so much easier said than done to build a roster like that that can be effective. 
And this mm-hmm. speaks to the greatness of Brooke Lopez. There is only one Brooke Lopez. There is only one Brooke Lopez who can, on nights like Game 2, carry your offense and dominate inside the paint like he did during his prime years in Brooklyn. He, on most nights when Giannis is healthy, he, there's nobody else who can also happen to be an effective shooter from deep behind the arc. There's nobody who can anchor your pick-and-roll defense as a drop coverage guy and still be effective even when Giannis is off the floor because he's what empowers Giannis or Bobby Portis to play off ball and wreak havoc, particularly Giannis. But Lopez, there's only one of him. He is a one-of-one in the NBA. And again tonight, you know, I think the the Bucks showed they don't <laughs> they don't need Giannis to beat the Heat. And if the if I'm the Bucks, I don't play Giannis until the Heat win again because that might not happen. I mean, when you see seven guys go into double figures, and you got 25 from Lopez, 24 from Holiday, 16 from Middleton, 16 from Grayson Allen, 13 from Bobby Portis. 22 from Pat Connaughton off the bench and 17 from Joe Ingles off the bench. Yeah, they shot the lights out. So, I mean, like, that's part part of it. Like, are they going to shoot 51% from three again? Probably not, but I I don't think... Probably not. But but the the, the thing is, though, is, like, the the game wasn't even close in any way. I mean, I know it ends up 16. That feels close. But the Bucs dominated that game in every single facet in the paint Behind the arc, it didn't matter if they shot 25% from three. They were still going to win that game and hold on. I mean, to your point, the game lands on 16. The Heat outscored them by 17 in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So they're down 33. Well, and the, and the <laughs> Heat the heat also made a run at the beginning of the third quarter and cut it to, I think, 17 or 16. And then the Bucks turned it back on. They're like, oh, we better not fall asleep too early here. And they put it back over 30 in a matter of minutes. Uh, like they just dominated any, any, they could have won that game by 50 if they wanted to. Unbelievable. Unbelievable performance. All right, let's backtrack a little. Some of the others. We talked, um, you know, in passing, I mentioned what is the response in game two. Pretty feeble response from the Hawks in game two against the Celtics. They're done. Did, that's that's over. It didn't give you much hope that that can be anything more than five at max, right? Like, if you get the – it usually, even in the gentleman sweep games, it's game three, the first home game for the team. They're all amped up. They're in their arena, and the other team has got the cushion. And so, if there's one – that and, and then they and then they go ahead and then they win game five, or I'm sorry, game four, and then they go back home and close the thing out. <laughs> you know, like that's that's typically the ebb and flow of a dominating series. You know, we don't get a ton of sweeps. So if there's one game, but I think anything more than five games in that series, especially just after seeing when Derek White has 25 points in game one, and then you go and make your adjustments, and Derek White. Uh, comes back out and has 26 in game two. <laughs> like what exactly are what, what exactly are you uh, taking away from that team? And it just seemed like they just they're just ill-equipped. It you know they're ill-equipped to deal with them. And obviously that even the backcourt. I mean those two guys. It's just it's not enough. Like they would have to just get 
mammoth, efficient Trey Young nights, it feels like, in order for them to have a chance. I mean, yeah, sure. Like you can you can say, you know, they need a mammoth, you know, night from Trey Young. Here's the problem though, Chris. He goes nine of twenty-two in that game two against the Celtics. Here are his last eight playoff games. Nine of twenty-two last night, five of eighteen, two of twelve, three of eleven, six of fourteen, ten of twenty-two, one of twelve, four of seventeen. Those are his last eight playoff games. Trey Young has not been an efficient player in the postseason, aside from some of the highs, the big game he had against the Bucks, some of the games against the Knicks, the lowly Sixers who were near an implosion with Ben Simmons. You know, the Hawks get to the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago. That Knicks team was not good. The Sixers team was on the verge of blowing it up with Ben Simmons. He was imploding on the inside, and he hasn't been anything since. And then they get smoked by the Bucks. Trey Young, going back to last year against Miami, this year against Boston, has not been an effective offensive presence for a guy who has a reputation of some megastar as a scorer. He is not that, and he has yet to prove that he can be a highly efficient scorer from the perimeter, even over the course of the entire regular season, for that matter. So I think it's it's wishful thinking from the Hawks side of things, you know, to be expecting that, unless it's one of his outlier performances. Maybe you get that. But even then, the Celtics team has so many ways of just destroying that weak defense. Like Atlanta's defense made so many mistakes with rotations, back cuts, uh, like the poor rotations. Like they, they were terrible in game two for a team that you feel like, you know, like you said, Chris, Derek White's going off. And that's partially on Trey, too. And, and the other thing is that front court just does not have to be honored. No, Capella and right. Collins. Yeah. yeah. They, well, Okongwu too. They don't have to be honored. Yeah, from the perimeter, you mean, like behind the arc. Anywhere outside of four feet from the basket. Yeah. John Collins <laughs> doesn't make shots anymore. No. And so it's like, geez, Louise. You know, you got to make yourself. Uh, we, 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 we harken back to what we just watched by, by tonight. The way, like, Xavier Tillman, like, you got to be. Collins, right? one, one of seven in that game, too, by the way, from behind the arc. He hadn't made a shot in two years. Yeah, he had like a... If you he pull, was I'm, a good three-point shooter. I'm, I'm, I'm telling up, you, it's that goofy finger. It, it, it is the finger, but I'm trying to pull up his numbers right now because he had a, like a stretch where he hit like 35% of his threes this year. All right, okay, so he hit 40.3% of his threes from March 8th to April 7th. 4.2 attempts per game, he hit 40.3% of his threes. So for like a short while, it felt like the shot was, oh my God, is it back? But now he's one for eight in the playoffs against Boston, and uh, it does not look good again. That you can't just, shoot with a goofy finger. Yeah, that finger's all screwed up still. Yeah. Uh, Knicks-Cavs. This is the series that we were going to be most looking forward to in the Eastern Conference. In fact, the only one in the Eastern Conference that we thought would be a very good first-round series. Um, and uh, another team that made a response with Cleveland making a response against the Knicks, who have really struggled virtually any time Jalen Brunson's not on the court. And Jalen Brunson, even himself last night, is 5 for 17. Like, if Brunson makes that thing go and RJ Barrett, like his so far in a very young career, his playoff track record has been just abysmal. 
Yeah. Offensively doing nothing. Yeah. Just nothing. And, you know, really, really good stuff from the Cavs. Obviously, they got Garland cooking last night. Um, and he drops 32. And that that front line, uh, again, really good. Adds up for 23 rebounds. And they, you know, Okoro's only out there for two minutes. And Lavert, Lavert was great. Th- that worked out to be a blessing in disguise for them, Chris, not having Okoro out there because he was a zero in game one offensively. And, right. And, and so is know. Lavert just that guy? And look, there's been a lot of times where Lavert's played with that group and it's been really, really good for them. I mean, it's yeah. just a it's a spacing thing and there are those nights like like last night where that guy can really get you buckets. And a guy that it's a luxury to have a guy that you can have that's on your bench that can give you 39 minutes in a playoff game, for God's sakes. For sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and when you can create that space, we talked about that exact position all year for them. Who's going to be that guy? Because you have two super dynamic guards back there. And you have really good bigs. And so that moment where you've got to make the decision. It's like the guy comes around the high screen. Am I going to stay with him? Am I going to pinch in from the corner? Most of the time they do. Or are they going to make me pay for doing it? And all they need is somebody. There's tons of open shots that Garland and Mitchell can both create. Somebody's got to be able to knock them down. And obviously, Levert is was very well equipped, at least for one game. And I kind of think that I got to think you're going to see a lot more of it as as time goes on uh, in these playoffs. I mean, Levert Le- Le- Levert is such an up and down offensive player. Yep, but but he's up more than Isaac Okoro is, and, and sometimes you fall into things. And you know, it would, for Bickerstaff in that game, you know, Okoro gets two quick fouls within three minutes, and you pull him and you don't put him back. That says to me that. Bickerstaff was already thinking, and that coaching staff was thinking heading into the game. There's a chance we pull the plug on Okoro here, and we just go with our other guys. And, just and, somebody uh, to create the spacing yeah. too, Kev, because that's why they dusted off Danny Green. It's like even if Danny Green doesn't yeah. give us much, he you still got to guard him. Well, that that speaks to it, man. Like you you dust off Danny Green after he doesn't play at all in game one, rather than go back to Isaac Okoro. Right. That's because you see how well your offense was playing, especially in that second quarter when they built their lead. Because if uh, you know, sometimes it's not even how effective the individual player is. It's when you get into the playoffs and everybody's game planning against you, that guy that is not going to be honored destroys the spacing. For sure. And sometimes, even if the guy's not that effective, just having him out there at the three-point line and somebody having to guard him out at the three-point line can make your offense go. And the thing is, is like with Okoro, think about like their spacing on the floor. With Okoro, they park him in the corner. Right. And, and in that second quarter, they had situations where Mobley and Allen are inside the paint, which as they, you know, inside the arc, as they usually are. You got Osman in the corner, but then you got Karis Levert setting screens for Garland at the top of the key with guard-guard screens. New York's defense with Grimes and Brunson was all mixed up. 
and you get Lavert just either slipping that or picking popping that and draining threes from above the break. Okoro's not shooting from out there at all. So it just it changes the you know, the placement of your players on the floor and improves that especially for Garland his space to operate and the type of creativity that they can use him in offensively. Because those guard-guard screens were really, really tough for New York to stop in that game, too. And that's going to have to be the big adjustment for them entering game three now. How do you respond to something that we didn't see at all in game one moving forward in the series when it seems like something that you're going to see Cleveland continue to do? Because why wouldn't they? I still think that's going to be you know, a fantastic all the way to the end series, but a very good so. response from Cleveland for sure. It sure was, man. Yeah, I, right? I hope I hope it's a great series because both both of those games were great. Like in terms of you know, obviously Cleveland, you know, s- smokes some more in game two, so it's less enta- entertaining down to the end. But it was it was entertaining from like a response standpoint for sure. Suns Clippers, man, I got to tell you, Kev, we're about to find out if the Anti Daryl Morey can win <laughs> because <laughs> we live in a world where basketball has become, in many cases, uh, some people find it to be boring with it just being lay it up or tray it up. But that's the deal. You get points to the paint. Who who do you like? Do, who like do you hear from in your life that they say the game's boring now? Like, do you have friends or like college friends? I mean, like, I know I heard Bob. I heard her Rallabob on with Bill Simmons yesterday say it. Uh, yes. Bill, Bob, <laughs> like, but I'm saying like, but what I'm, what I'm getting at is I have some friends in my life who are more, yeah, I'll watch in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of basketball fans. And they're like, yeah, there's just a lot of them say there's too many threes and too much flopping. Those are the two main mm. complaints you hear from casual fans who are held back from wanting to watch basketball more often. I'm just curious about in your in your world if that's similar. If they don't like flopping, they should flip on these playoffs. We got guys stomping each other in the heart. <laughs> <laughs> flopping? I know, flopping. What are you talking about? That. We got damn wrestling moves. Yeah, I know. I mean, then he's just <laughs> talking with the crowd afterwards, too. You need, to call, you need to call your friends and tell them to tune in. I know, yeah. Come on. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Too bad they can't watch him on Thursday night. Oh, I suppose so. <laughs> so lay it up, lay it up, or tray it up. Basketball has become commonplace, right? We can yeah. we can look at points in the paint. We can look at the three point line, and you know this was a, a big gripe of uh, even Greg Popovich a couple of years ago. I yes. look, I can, I can, I can look at the three point percentage. I can tell you who won the game. You know, like in in many cases, oh, you could just show me one stat now. Because that's the way basketball is played. And I'll be damned. The Suns, not only do they not drive to the basket and bury you with points in the paint, they don't shoot threes either. But my God, the shots they make and the level of difficulty of those shots between Booker and Durant, you, you sit there and watch it, and there's part of me that goes, this is just not sustainable. Like, you're just on these nights. It looks spectacular, but damn, man, you really got to make a shit ton of twos and you're doing it, you know, in this spectacular fashion. I mean, when Booker gets on a heater or when Durant gets on a heater, it is something of just basketball. I mean, euphoria to watch them and the shot making, but 
it just goes against all the math that that is something sustainable over the course of a series. And, and we're going to find out because even like last night, I, uh, I had my guys over at shot quality, uh, send it over to me. And I mean, that score is not that score, right? The, Cl- the Clippers and the Suns based upon the shots that they took in the game. And again, that's the math. Here's what happens when you typically take these shots. Here's what happens when you typically take these shots. But those guys can, they feel like they're, you know, they're a glitch in the matrix because a two-point shot from Kevin Durant or or uh, or Devin Booker, no matter what degree of difficulty it is, feels in many cases to be a more high percentage shot than it ever should be. <laughs> they're just... They're spectacular. It's a lot on them, and it's a lot of twos. And they responded against the Clippers, but I didn't walk away from that going, okay, they figured it out, and this is going to be, you know, maybe the you know the the shorter series that many predicted it to be. I think that thing's going to end up being a war and be down to the end. It'll probably end up a longer series than I expected. Um, that That's for sure. I mean, we'll see going back to L.A. now at one-to-one. But, you know, I think Monty Williams, he's after, you know, throwing darts in game one, looking for the right guys to play off the bench. You know, he really tightens the rotation. Jock Shokogi gets 15 minutes off the bench. Bismack Biombo 15. Landry Sham at 14. You know, he basically plays an eight-man rotation the entire game. Well, more importantly and, than all of that is Aiton stopped playing like such a wussy. Yeah, he did. He, yeah, I mean. Yeah, Seriously. That, that, like, I mean. That, that's. Anybody that wanted an offensive rebound could get an offensive rebound in game one. And it was like, he might as well have been me down there. Yeah, I mean, he he definitely stepped up big time. And I thought, like, just related to Aiden, Monty Williams at one point, well, Ty Lue at one point during the game put Kawhi Leonard on DeAndre Aiden. Understandably so. Like, Kawhi is such a stellar defender. He can handle Aiden's size. And that meant Zubats was defending Torrey Craig. But to keep Zubots in pick and roll, they started using Torrey Craig as, a, as the on-ball screener. And that created good opportunities for the Phoenix offense in the half court for Brooker, Durant, CP3, whoever it was. So I thought that was like a nice little minor adjustment there and also speaks to Torrey Craig's versatility. He's been through two games. Like, like again, Monty Williams making the right call, you know, riding him in these games for heavy minutes. And, you know, shooting the hell out of the ball. We'll see if that sustains. He's been a knockdown three-point shooter for them, but also an effective screener. Yep. And he's going to be open. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's so much attention that you've got to pay to the other ones. Likewise, those other Clipper guys are, like, somebody's got to be the guys that step up because it appeared that by the time they got to that fourth quarter, they're like, all right, dude, we're not doing this. Kawhi gets to play anybody one-on-one. This is not going to be the Clippers' mode of operation. Because there's, I mean, he could torch anybody. Yep. Turn is, him into a passer. Make, yeah. Make, get the ball out of his Just hands. run a second guy. And if, if Terrence Mann and if whoever else on this team wants to bomb us out, then so be it. But we're not letting this guy play one-on-one basketball. And so they started running two at him. And, and you just want that, you know, his field goal attempts got lower because now, He's got to make the bat, the right basketball play. And so that extra attention, that's where the George thing sh- really shows up. It's like, okay, who's going to be that other guy when 
when, if they're going to dedicate two to Leonard, especially when it matters most, then who's going to be that guy that makes them pay for doing that? And I don't think that, you know, you have to, you have to command respect. You know, it's much like we were talking about in that series that I'm covering. If you're going to run two at Anthony Davis, Rui Hachimura might just make every damn three he takes. Sure. (laughs) Somebody's got to do that for the Clippers or else they're just going to run two at Kawhi and make sure he doesn't get to beat him. Well, and that, and that's where, you know, it's like we were talking about with, Cleveland a game two, you've got you know, Levert screening for Garland, those yep. guard-guard screens, and how tough that was for the Knicks to handle. And game two of Suns Clippers, you're running you know, wing-guard screens. It's like Eric Gordon screening for Kawhi Leonard a lot of the time, and they're throwing two at Kawhi, like you said. The Clippers did not handle that well at all. They didn't produce well out of those actions one bit. So that's where their adjustment is going to happen. And Phoenix is going to have to be ready there, you know, for those guards to release out quicker and, you know, get easier opportunities rather than just settling for, you know, what felt like a switch a lot of the time, getting Gordon the ball. Yeah. And obviously Durant and Booker, especially just like I said, the shot making. Those guys are. I just think those, it's hard to do that over and over and over again. I know. I know. But like, when, but at the same time, when they, like, all three of them got hot in that game. Mm-hmm. But it's the type of thing where one of them is probably going to get hot, sometimes two, sometimes all three. Those guys are special talents. They are three of the best mid range shooters in all of basketball. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's again, special. You can have, they, 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 I mean, they elevate with a hand in their face. And still bury it on you while they're fading, yeah. mm-hmm. and they and they've got these spots that they get to on the court. That being said, um, you know the Clippers, I do think have some stuff that they will. They've got a really good coach, so they'll adjust. And I do think that that ends, ends up being a long series. Um, much, much, much better job on Zubats. In game two, much better because he was he was rather uh, dominant in the game before. I mean, he in game one, he was 12 points, 15 rebounds in that game. And they did a much better job on him. The guy ends up with eight points and six rebounds in game two, four of which were offensive rebounds. So, I mean, he wasn't uh, now in fairness, there wasn't a ton of rebounds, especially in the second half because the Suns were shooting frigging fireballs like the whole half. I mean, that was, they are, they're special when they get going. But anyway, that one is, uh, I think that's actually a, a fun series for sure. Not much fun is the 76ers and the Nets. Again, Nets have the opportunity. They have the opportunity to adjust yeah. and then there's nothing you can do. Today's episode is brought to you by Prime Video uncontrollable frowning, an inability to smile, an expression like you just smelled something rotten. These are all signs of resting binge face caused by too many streaming services. But Prime Video ends resting binge face so you can smile again. Easily find your favorite shows like Reacher Season 2. Rent or buy new release movies like Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Get everything included on Prime. And add hundreds of streamers like Max for True Detective Night Country. One app, one password. Prime Video. Find your happy place. 
Restrictions apply. Prime membership not required to rent or buy. Prime membership requires for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority. And USAA Homeowners Insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. They'll help you protect your home and what's inside of it at the high standard their members have grown to expect. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy. And you can do it all right in the USAA app. And they offer many discounts to help their members save. That could put your wallet at ease, too. Visit USAA.com slash homeowners to learn more. Eligibility restrictions apply. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates. San Antonio, Texas. So we did our last pod after King's Warriors. And the light, the beamers had gone up 2-0. Yep. And now we have seen that Draymond Green is suspended for game three. What do you think? Is that the right decision by the NBA? I never like guys getting suspended for playoff games. I thought the penalty was already handed out. A flagrant two thrown out of the game. Yeah. I just, I don't like guys getting suspended. I, I think, um, I think, like, what did we talk about like a couple weeks ago? We talked about the technical and flagrant, you know, rules that they have in the playoffs where a guy gets suspended after a certain amount of those. What yeah. is the point of having those when you're just going to do it here? It seems like a reputation penalty more than anything else. And I get yeah. it. You know, I I actually, I I was talking to one of my buddies today and I was like, they didn't suspend Jokic, did they? And he was like, yeah, they did. And I was like, oh, they did. Remember when he trucked the Morris uh, twins? That was during the regular season though, right? Wasn't that during the playoffs? I believe that was during the playoffs. He trucked the guy and he ended up getting, he he ended up getting suspended. uh, That was November, that was November, 2021. Oh, forgive me. So, yeah, that was during the season. Okay. Wow. Well, I mean, I, I, just, I just think the penalty was the flagrant, too, him being thrown out of that individual game. And I'm honestly surprised that I'm on the side of a lot of media here. Like, a, a lot of media has been saying, like, you had Stephen A. today on first take saying that the NBA made a mistake here. A lot of people are saying the NBA made a mistake. Oh, I understand why they did it. And look, he had... I, I, get, I get it, too. I get it, too. Because he stepped on the guy. He lifted his foot and stomped on him. But the, the thing is, is it is hard to tell how intentional it really was. Like ver- it, oh, come on. No, 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 what, no it's what, not. No, it's not. The revisionist what, history on this is bananas. And my favorite is the, they he grabbed his leg, guys. He grabbed his leg, right? Yes. It, I, I'm, to I, me, I, it's the equivalent of, if somebody grabs your arm, but I, all, what you I'm can't saying, punch Chris, him. Chris, like I think he did it intentionally. I think he did it intentionally. I'm, I'm let me make that clear. But I'm just saying, is it is it definitive enough and like an egregious enough of act to put another penalty on top of the flagrant two that you already handed out when you could when you couldn't send you a massive fine? And by the way, forget about the Warriors here. Forget about Draymond. Forget about the Kings. I feel like the fans are who get screwed the most here with what should be. The best first round series, one of the most epic and entertaining and thrilling first round series, going back to Golden State, 
I, I think you're you're limiting Golden State's chances so much that the fans, more than anything else, are the ones who get screwed here. You and me, our listeners, fans of any other team, never mind Warriors and Kings fans. You want to see them Kings equipped. fans win. You yeah, you want. I don't know. You just want to see these teams. I agree. At a high level, it's just, I don't know, man. It's like you already got you already got Suns, Clippers, and Warriors, Kings playing on TV at the same freaking time. I gotta Before- be honest, Kev. I was shocked at the Dumars quotes. Well, Joe Dumars, who worked for the Kings the last three years, from 2019 through 2022. Okay, can we? And, and, you, and, and you get Ramona Shelburne saying that they didn't talk to Draymond until after the decision was made. That's strange, okay. isn't it? So you could bring up that Joe Dumars worked for the Kings, <laughs> which is more important. He was also literally a mentor for, wait for it, Draymond Green. When was this? Their sons year, played AAU together. They're close, it, it, close. Like, close, close. Dumo- yeah, close, their close, kids, close, close, close. Their kids played AAU this together, is- and Dumars was a mentor for Draymond Green. You can find the stories about it. It's not like it's a, a guy in an office in a suit handing down the <laughs> punishment to somebody he doesn't know. That's why it became so but, shocking. Because he said it's because of all the other baloney that he's pulled before. That if it were someone different, it might have been treated differently. That's how yeah, that reads. I, I'm Googling this now. I'm just, I'm not finding the stories about I, how close their relationship is over the years. I'm not. I mean, I can't help you find the stories by Googling it. But that is fact. Joe Dumar's kid and Draymond Green were on the same AAU team together. And Joe Dumars was a form of mentor for Draymond Green coming up. They know each other. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm looking for the story. I'm not finding like this. This puff piece from 2017 about Joe Dumars and Draymond. I'm, I'm not seeing it. I mean, I heard uh, who was it that just told the story the other day? Okay, I got. I got one right after 20, this. I, Mark, I got Mark Spears from, told this whole wait. story uh, on Zach Lowe's last podcast. Well, I, I got. A, I got one from 2012. From 2012, uh, MLive.com, the Detroit Pistons unequivocally have Draymond Green on their radar, even if the former Michigan State basketball star likely will fall. And then Draymond Green, here's a quote. This proves everything you just said correct. Draymond says, me and Joe D talk about everything. We talk about life in general. That's like a father to me. (laughs) It's always more than just the process. It's about everything. It's about life never just about basketball we can start out talking about basketball and then end up on something completely different because we're far beyond a basketball relationship that's not where our relationship came from it didn't come from basketball so it'll never be just about basketball all right case closed <laughs> you found it on google i did i found it i had to set we the date to make that up i had heard it <laughs> i don't i don't know I, i'm not saying you made it up i'm just so saying which is more like, important that joe dumar's work for the kings or that he was a friggin' father figure for the guy he just suspended <laughs> <laughs> come on it doesn't make the, the, the decision correct though I mean, look, there, there, there's people that hate their dads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. No, it's crazy, though. It's crazy. And him saying that it's because of things he had done in the past. The other thing is 
standing up on a chair and yelling, yeah, P word to a crowd getting caught on national TV. That was funny. I found I it mean, funny. First of course, the antics laughing. are, it is, it's real wrestling. I mean, stuff. there was, there's a guy in the crowd throwing double birds at Draymond. Yeah. Uh, did you see that? That's, so that's funny. not exactly, <laughs> it, it's not exactly showing any level of contrition. I know, While a guy is like on the ground holding his sternum. Yeah, but those, yeah, well, those fans. Oh, and are, everything that's followed is but, just but those, so. Those fans, those fans got the thrill of a lifetime. They're gonna, they're gonna remember. Remember when we went to Game Two? The oh first yeah, round, and we're going at it with Draymond. They got a show. That's right. That was fun. That's for sure. <laughs> Adam um, Silver sitting across in the arena, mortified, b- bawling his eyes out, crying. He's got to be mortified. Shivering. Yeah. He's got to be mortified. His glasses um, fogging up from all the tears. You do wonder if he wouldn't have acted that way after, if he would have like showed some contrition for it or checked <laughs> on Sabonis rather than turning into full professional oh, wrestler yeah. mode. <laughs> I think I really do. You know what I mean? Different. I do. It would have been viewed differently. I I, re- I really do think it would have been. It's like, yeah, I stomped his ass, and I don't care. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'll stomp you too. How, right. how about <laughs> how about them putting Sabonis on the injury report and that getting dropped like 30 minutes after the suspension got announced? The Sabonis injury report, Draymond saying he wants to get his ankle checked, and then <laughs> the Warriors putting out there that they're mad at the NBA officials because they think Sabonis, quote, uses the basketball as a weapon. What was that? <laughs> What? Slinging his elbows around. I, the, I, I can't fathom. I honestly, and trust me, I covered a series last year where their righteous indignation was at 10 out of 10. I, I can't fathom how you're a franchise that employs Draymond Green, who literally beat the shit out of his own teammate and runs hot and does crazy stuff. How you can like constantly with a straight face talk about the antics of others. It's just outrageous. Like, you know, there guy like I'm not saying that what Sabonis did, of course, he should have been penalized for grabbing onto a guy's leg. But as I said, if I grab onto your arm, you can't just wind up and punch me in the face. Like, that's not the response. And you've got to just really, truly lie to yourself to see it any other way. If you want to lie to yourself, where do you want his foot to land? Oh, he was slinging clay down. Like, all the stuff that you've just got to lie to yourself. to, Bro, bro your players stomped the guy. End of story. He stomped him. He's mad. He runs hot. That's why he's the player that he is. Because he runs hot. Sometimes the guys that run hot do crazy ass stuff. What's your? I mean, so like, if this is the end of the Warriors dynasty, I mean, it feels like a if fitting it's the way. end. If, if mean, it's the end, it feels like a fitting way for for things to end with Draymond. You know, double edged sword all throughout his tenure with Golden State. If he leaves this off season, and this is part of the end of his story in some ways, it's fitting. But I still expect them but, to win without well, him. Okay, I that's do. what I'm saying. That's so why I was about to ask you for your prediction because this could also set up Thursday night. Warriors down 2-0 for the first time in the Steph, Clay, Draymond era. Yep. Going back to their home and you got Draymond out. 
this is either the end of the beginning of the end of a dynasty of the series, or it's setting up for a moment by Steph and Clay. I and think some you'll other... see those, yes. And I think and look, so your then guys that haven't they're guys that haven't given them nothing. The guys that haven't given them nothing. The Kamingas of the world and the pools of the world Poole, and the yep. Moody's of the world, like all those guys, they were a great home team this year. A great home team. They were also a pitiful road team. And if Andrew Wiggins hits an open three in the corner, they win game one. These games were close. Fair is fair. Fair they is were fair. Close. Yeah. So I would I I still expect them to win their home games. I think that series is just gonna be a super long series. Would not be surprised if we see seven in I know that every time anybody wins, we start talking sweep and they're going to get mangled. And I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it. They're a tough team to beat at their place. Yeah, can't you just see Steph putting on the show of shows? I can. Yeah, me too. I can. I can, yeah. And so... It'll be interesting to see... um, If it is the end of the dynasty, oh my God. I look forward to seeing how Steve Kerr utilizes Stephen Curry in that game because, you know, game two, he ran 40 pick and rolls. And that's an abnormal number for Stephen Curry. He's usually, he averages, I believe, 27 on the season. And he ran only 40 plus five times all year, according to Second Spectrum. He ran 40 in game two, 28 in game one. And the Warriors are scoring 1.2 points per Steph pick and roll. That's a great number. That would have led the NBA. Like Luca, Steph, all these other guys are at 1.1. Will they lean on Steph even more in the pick and roll this year, this game three, more and more for potentially isolations if the Kings switch those screens? If the Kings are blitzing, you know, like we saw with Kawhi Leonard in that Sun series, you know, they're trying to get the ball out of his hands. Can Looney or Kaminga or whoever the screener is make plays off the dribble with a man advantage. That's going to be the key in the series because you're going to see them, you know, lean on Steph. I think more than they have in the first two games, which is a lot, but even more than that, they're going to have to have. This is setting up for Steph to have to have a have a moment in game. Well, three. and and as you say, so many, and this is why Wiseman couldn't function there because your typical Golden State play over the years has been Curry brings it up, we bring to or shade to at him. He throws it to Draymond, who's at the free throw line or at the top of the key. And now Draymond's playing three on two from there. And it's usually a kickout pass, right? That if that happens, like you're saying, look, to me, it's not that hard what the Warriors have to do. And we talked about it after that last game. And I said, this is why when everybody keeps saying that Wow, this Kings defense, were they just not good? You know, how are they, how are they doing this? It's like, well, one of the major reasons their defense was crap this year was because they have no rim protection. Golden State has got to put pressure on the rim. End of story. If they do, they can expose why Sacramento was in the bottom 10 in the league defensively. They were in the bottom five in points in the paint they gave up. Golden State has not exposed that at all. I don't think that Draymond being out will hurt that cause offensively, you know, because a lot of that is 
he's not driving to the basket a lot. And so you got to find some guys that are going to put pressure on the rim. End of story. And make them, you know, Sabonis is what they've got back there. They don't have rim protection. But if you play a game that doesn't require them to protect the rim, then, and I, I bet you're going to see a lot more of them going to the basket, a lot more points in the paint by the time we get to game three. That's, that's a fix that they will make. I can't fathom them going out like this with, I mean, I think they've had like 40 points in the paint last game or something. That's crazy against the Kings. You can't play them like that. Well, you got to I mean, punish them. In, in the series, when DeMontis Sabonis is defending a pick and roll, the Warriors are scoring 1.29 points per chance. I just mm. said a couple minutes ago, Steph is scoring 1.2 points per pick and roll. 1.29. Against Sabonis, wow, and they they but they don't just they just don't do it a lot. That's the and they may have to now. They they might have to now, but that goes against what Steve Kerr has always done. Like we've talked about this, you know, here and there throughout the years. Like, well, Steve Kerr, you know, they get Wiseman, are they going to run more pick and roll with Wiseman? You kind of understand now why they didn't. He's just not that good, and he wasn't a fit with the, their style of play with quick decision making, yep. playmaking off that roll. But with Sabonis, just to give that number some context. They're going at Sabonis 26 times per game through the two games. You know, Al Horford is getting attacked 36 times per game. Zubats 35.5. Embiid, 32.5. So I think, you know, get that number over 30, push for 40. You know, just go at Sabonis and exploit their weakest defender and do everything you can, even if it's outside of your norm. Uh, they did go outside of their norm in game two. 40 is a lot for Steph. So I would expect more of that in, in Game 3 and beyond. As we are recording this, because we're recording this late on uh, the night of the uh, Grizzlies and Lakers game, uh, Wednesday night, uh, Timberwolves and Nuggets was going on while we were speaking, so we might as well mention that. It looks like uh, now with three minutes to go, the Nuggets are up by double digits. The Timberwolves did make a game of it by coming out and having a monster third quarter and putting 40 up on the Nuggets, but it looks like they're going to go home uh, down 0-2. The one great thing about that particular game, just looking at the box score, is first amazing Anthony Edwards game in a long time. He's going to put up a big number. Now, unfortunately, the guy on the other side of him put has put up so far in that game an even bigger number in Jamal Murray. Jamal First Murray, yep. huge Jamal Murray game in yep. a while, too, right? Jamal Murray, like, like we didn't see a lot of the second half as we've nah. been recording here, but, you know, first half, Jamal Murray, he was just on fire against that Minnesota drop coverage. Um, like with both Towns and with Gobert, just playing drop, and Murray exploited that. And um, from the pieces that we have seen in the second half, Michael Porter Jr. really helped build back that lead in the fourth quarter for Denver. I'm going back to this season. This is the highest total for Murray the entire year. He had a 34-point game against the Lakers. I'm sorry. He had a 41 against Atlanta. So this will be the second highest scoring with whatever number he ends up with. He had 41 against Atlanta earlier this year. But this is a, this is a big, big Murray game for sure. And, uh, you know, hey, at least they got Edwards on track. 
And uh, maybe just maybe they can have some competitive games in Minnesota. Yeah. I look forward to watching this game back. You know, you yep. see Minnesota. Didn't see any of the third quarter, which is when they made their big run, 40-23 to 23 in that quarter. I look forward to watching that, that back to see how exactly it happened. Um, because, yeah. Also, just looking at this box, Anthony <laughs> Edwards, three blocks and two steals. Yeah. Have a game, Ant. Yeah. Gobert, 19 points, a plus six, seven of 11. From the floor, three Nobody assists. Cares. Nobody cares. I'm just, I'm just, all, all I'm saying, Chris, <laughs> is as we currently look at the score here, he's the only Minnesota Timberwolf in the pluses. Is that right? That out there. Yes, he is. Well, I tell you this LeBron James was minus 17 tonight. <laughs> sure. Oh, and also, by the way, from the first half, Jeff Green just the ageless wonder. Oh, he is something. <laughs> Unbelievable. I can't wait to be talking about these games as it goes on. And you will be at uh, game three of the Lakers-Grizzlies. The next time we record will be Monday night. After you know who else will be there? Game four. Who? You know who else? Bill Simmons. Jess- Jesse Lopez. Oh, really? Jesse Lopez. Our executive producer, Jesse yes, Lopez, is. is going to the game? Yes, he is. Jesse oh, Lopez. Oh, wow. We'll be sitting side by side. I'll have my... My father, John Misty, Lakers shirt on. <laughs> oh, you guys are going. You're going as a Laker fans together. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not going as a Lakers fan. I'm bringing Jesse, who will be, I'm sure, equipped in Lakers gear. But I oh, but my, you're not going on a media pass. No, I'm going a, as a fan. Yep, as a Laker fan. No, I'm going as a, as you a, got your purple <laughs> and gold laid out. Oh, no, you need him well, to I beat got, the Grizzlies well, on I got that my, game three. I got fa- father John Misty, they get some great great gear and they have this shirt that looks like the lakers logo and Perfect. um oh yeah i'm gonna have that on so it's father i've had i've like been at stores wearing that and people have been like staring at my shirt and they say does, that doesn't say lakers does it it's like no, no it's it says father john misty who's that uh it's just this really good indie band it's really a way good. for me you know, to be a fans. sneaky Laker fan without are. having to say I'm a sneaky Laker fan. No. no. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right. Kevin, it is always a pleasure. Uh, thanks, to everybody, for checking out the you show. You see the picture? A, you see it? I just early. sent it in the Zoom chat. You see that, that shirt? Oh, I see it. It's a Laker yeah, yeah. shirt. Yeah, it's a Father John Misty shirt. Yeah. yeah. You know Father John Misty at all, Chris? You ever listen to them? I do. You do? You listen to Father John Misty? It, they do our intro, and so, of course, I went and downloaded it all. I know. I'm just making sure. Yes. Dan and John, mm-hmm. drums and piano from Father John Misty. They've done our intro. They it's did. beautiful. And they make beautiful music with Josh Tillman. They do great stuff. And then you're going to get the... It, why, why, don't you, why don't you just get the Austin Reeves jersey that you want? You don't have to wear that <laughs> shirt. <laughs> no, I'm gonna wear that shirt. Or your Rui that. Hachimura. I love that's that probably shirt. more popular right now. They can't keep uh, the, those the on the thing rack. Is, the thing is, I think I said this Tuesday on, on that episode, but I'm not sure if it fits me. I got <laughs> what your Rui the, Hachimura jersey? No, no, the Father oh. John Misty shirt because of the weight I gained, and I, I'm not sure I've lost enough yet to. Oh, sure you have. Come on, no, I'm not sure that I have yet. I gotta, I gotta find out. <laughs> it's, it's a, that's a I couple more. You're a couple Peloton classes away. Maybe I'll have just to just do you know, it. 
Fast, Go get on that bike right now. Off the fast all the way till Saturday or something <laughs> like that. Uh, well, I hope that you, know, you, you know, and Jesse have a so. horrible time Saturday night. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, I can't wait. We'll be doing the show next week. Thanks to everybody for uh, checking us out a day earlier this week and uh, thank you to our producer Jesse Lopez as always Kevin I'll talk to you next week Uh, I'm looking forward to it Chris have a good week this episode is brought to you by UGG y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days well I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at UGG.com. Ready to find your next favorite podcast? Spotify makes it easier than ever to discover new favorites by previewing short audio clips before committing to a full listen. You can even watch some podcasts with video or just keep playing audio in the background. It's everything you want in one app. Music, podcasts, and audiobooks across any device. Play anytime, anywhere, any way you'd like with Spotify. Try today.